Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. This is The Fizzle Show, a podcast to help freelancers, creatives, and entrepreneurs figure out how to build a small business that actually works. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself, doing something that you care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We run Fizzle.co where we are committed to make the world's best training for freelancers, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Membership costs about a dollar a day, but uh, actually, this January, today, January 15th, is the last day to get this big discount at Fizzle. We're in, you can find out more at fizzle.co. We're going to tell you about it in a little bit. Um, so in this episode, in a recent forum post uh, from Fizzler, Christopher Lynn, he shared something he heard an entrepreneur say on stage about 10 years ago. It goes like this. When I started my first business, I lost my wife, and it was worth it. (laughs) The speaker continued, I wish 10 years of horrible failures upon all of you, so you can truly become great entrepreneurs. Wow. In those two statements is some inflammatory, scandalous, polarizing stuff, but there's actually more to it than just sludge for debate. There's a question about what it means to fail, what's at stake if your idea doesn't work, and maybe more than anything, uh, the conversation you're about to listen to is about whether you give yourself permission to fail. Permission to fail can feel buzzwordy, but what you'll find in this episode at large and, and in Barrett's story at the very least is this might be much more important than you currently think. So enjoy. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 145. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. And we're back! This episode brought to you La Croix. Brought you this episode? Sorry, I just had to start that off that way, just so we knew we were actually going here. You You're- guys, I want to point out that uh, La Croix is becoming quite a conversation point i don't know if you've noticed this but you're at a party talking yeah. about yeah whatever and somebody's like have you guys tasted any of that Lacroix?" well there's so many flavors now there's a lot to talk about yeah and and i would like to think that we've had some part of that well we definitely so. did i mean they're not, they're not advertising on any other podcast they basically wouldn't be who they are today without us <laughs> they're really not big on podcast advertising they're lucky our be, i mean they're they, lucky to be our sponsor and they honestly we gave them a better rate than than we would give anybody uh in fact they're the, we're, we're the, they're the only company we're giving a rate to speaking of that i don't know? even think they deserve it anymore they're big enough they should be paying us more mm. well i don't know i don't know as it's so refreshing they, though as long as they keep letting us buy uh Packs of Lacroix for two ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I just uh, now can't they wait for the day when Lacroix. <laughs> they are taking us over the coals oh, with this curate. 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 Today I'm drinking peach pear. Uh, Corbett's in the pamplemousse. Pamplemousse. Uh, this feels good. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, guess what's happening? What's happening? Steph's in the in the room with us. Oh, in the house. Steph's in the house. <laughs> In the hizzy. I'm here. I feel like that. I don't know if I should beep that or not, Barrett. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Is there anything that you m- might want to share with our audience that they might not know? Or is that... Oh. Is, is the timing I don't know. Good? Sure. Or where are we at right yeah. now? Should we... Should it we might add that? a little color to the conversation. I don't know. Yeah, color. A little context. Right. I mean, our talks... Let's be frank. Our talks are pretty colorful that's as they true, are. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. colorful. They're like watercolors on white paper. Know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Barrett's just going to crack so himself proud up. Of himself. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad I got that. That was terrible. Look from Chase. <laughs> I know. I love that. To me, the terror was the terror was your self satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. So smug. I just, I'm already feeling sorry for your daughters and you don't even have any. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of. Speaking of daughters, I can share on a personal note my husband John and I are expecting our first. Baby. Yay! Baby girl. Coming coming this May. That's right. In a world where a woman can be an entrepreneur. Right. And a man can do a triathlon. Iron Man. An Iron Man. Iron Baby. And I'm not talking about some little triathlon. I'm talking about the Iron Man. That's right. That's right. In this world in particular, a child will be born. 
Will she have what it takes? Can she be? Maybe you'll have a child who will be an entrepreneur and an Iron Man. That would just be too much. And I just want to say that we were talking yesterday about uh, our, we each made a list of uh, what, what we want from Fizzle this year. And um, one one on Steph's list was, uh, what was what was the wording exactly? I'm trying to remember. because um, continuing to have a meaningful career while honoring my values as a new parent. Mm-hmm. And then she like looked up from the from the page and at us, and she says, like, "You know, because my daughter's going to be a little bone crusher." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just uh, like me, just like I was. I have to teach her. Like oh, I think it was more like because I have to make sure that my daughter <laughs> is a little bone. <laughs> Those are your values yeah. as a new parent. Yep, we are so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations! Thanks, so great. Mm-hmm. Pretty pumped. So it's our it's our it's our uh, our week of planning here in the beginning of the year and in Portland. If you're listening to this in the future, sometimes it, it is what the second week or third week in January. Something like and that. And we are we're planning the year and, and recapping uh, last year. By the way, I have to say this: we we spent all morning this morning. Um, what we've done the second half of this past year was we kept all of our projects in Trello. We have three columns, basically. One was ideas. The next one was... Uh, well, ideas is just kind of like a scratch pad. Yep. Then the next one was like, these are the ones we want to do this quarter. The committed stuff, yep. Yep, committed to do this. And then the next one was, this is what's in progress right now, mm-hmm. actively being worked on. And then finally, it's like sort of the bucket of like all the things that were done. Yeah. So project moves from ideas to the right, like, and finally into the end. And so we just went through and kind of like had a ceremony uh, where we where we said goodbye to all these projects that spent so much time with us this past year or the, the second half of 2015. And we looked at each one and kind of like this kind of happened naturally. We started thinking about like, OK, what sticks from that? Like what was good about that and what would we do differently? And honestly, it put us in it put me in such an amazing mood and, and, and mind space for planning the future, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, because totally. you you remember, oh, uh, one little one little word on that was like the roadmap, an MVP of the roadmap. Yeah, that took us six months to do, mm-hmm. right? And we learned a lot about by doing it, and it changed the nature of our business. Yeah, and I, I think it's really easy to uh, commence planning for a new year without reviewing what you did and and remembering what you learned about those things. Yeah. So now, when we go, we'll probably start planning this afternoon or tomorrow. Uh, we'll just have a better sense, a better handle on what we can actually accomplish and what it means to say, let's do that project. Yeah, you know? and so even even I mean, we have an episode on year planning. What is it? Uh, FZ, uh, site FZ, year planning. Hold on, this is compelling news stuff. Uh, episode 34, but the one we just did recently was, uh, hold on, because we, we re-broadcasted uh, it, and then there is a full on thingy oh we didn't put a post for it that's why um anyways uh, i'll find i'll find the thing and put it in the the uh the uh the thing end of year planning process for every small business sorry got it here it is i'll put it in the show notes the ultimate year review and planning process for entrepreneurs we barrett wrote this big great post for that we also have this podcast conversation talking about it embedded in that thing but even if you don't get to do this whole like it's kind of elaborate and i love it mm-hmm just using Trello for me as this place where it's not where we're actually working from. We're not like, I'm not in there marking a bunch of to-do lists done every day, right? We were just using that every week. We'd come to it and say, okay, here's the projects that are in action right now. Are any of these complete? Do you need any support on any of these? Yeah. And then you look back and you see six months of work and it's really, it's not, 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 not that it's moving, but it's just like, you, you made this joke. You're like, if you don't review what you did last year, did it really happen? <laughs> and in some ways, of course it happened, but in other ways it's like I was I had zero awareness of that thing right now. Yeah. I was not allow that, allowing that to contribute to how I see myself or what I'm committing to do this next year. And it's that's important. And I also don't think it's a trivial thing uh that the way a project is represented in Trello makes it more tangible and easier to review than it does as a line item in a sauna. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is. And I think what we've decided on is basically um, discussing things at a task level in a sauna is just way too granular. Mm -hmm. And um, we leave that up to each of us to manage our own task lists. Mm -hmm. And we just talk at the higher level, the project level. Um, And we do the, we do that by using a sauna and it clears out all the cruft that you get with the task level stuff. Yeah. And it just makes it clearer. And um, I don't know what what it was about that, but we switched at some point last year to using Trello instead of Asana exclusively. 
and it's made a big difference. We still use Asana because we can assign things to one another. And honestly, it's just so damn hot in there. It's it's pretty hot so in that hot. Asana. It's like steamy It's a real steamy sauna. When Stace, or when Stace, when Chase gets in there. Is mm. that Stefan and Chase together? Yeah. That one. Yes. Stace, Stace yeah. get hey, in Stace. there. Hey, <laughs> Stace. Damn. It gets steamy. When you guys work on a project together, we're going to be like, Stace is on it. Yeah. yeah don't worry. Right. Stace is in so, action. My favorite part, Ooh. let's not forget, my favorite part of that entire thing is uh, it just proves how corny we are as a team. We literally. Oh, yeah. We yeah. Did a, we did a woe team to archive. Oh, God. To archive Woo! all the projects from last year. We did a yes. woe team by putting our fingers mm, stacked yes. one on top of another That's to right. push wait, the wait, button. Wait, wait, we can't put we can't put multiple separate fingers down there. We got to put them on the same finger. Yeah, and we pushed it all at the same time, and That's we did right. a woe team. Synergy. We did a woe team, like literally, <laughs> it was like finger woe team. Everybody's put their hand in the circle for the basketball. It's like, all right, guys, we're gonna do work hard and make a score for, on the goal the and do the thing, and then <laughs> and every and every goes like on three. Everybody say go green, and everybody goes go green. But this was with fingers. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking like four different fingers mm-hmm. clicking a mouse pad. It was we should have videoed it. Real yeah. anticlimactic. But it was, you know, what I mean? hilarious. <laughs> it was the whole year. If we we should have put jerseys on, stand around. We filmed it like, all right, guys, we gotta win this one. This big, and then and then it goes in like we're gonna do the woe team with our hands, and then it zooms in on our fingers on a laptop. <laughs> and all we did was like move the Trello list to a different board. Yeah, <laughs> that make a really good vine. That's yeah. all it could be is a vine. Yeah, uh, six seconds. Totally. You totally. Know what I realized was we were doing all of this in a little local pizza shop, and I had no idea how loud we were with our planning and conversation until I went to the bathroom oh, across no. the restaurant and still heard the planning really? going on and could participate. Yeah, oh, that's cool. That's fine. I mean, everybody's getting inspired. They're like, those guys, the, those those people have their things in or they, I want to be around them. That's impressive because there were like 40 people in there. I know. And the restrooms were a good 80 feet away they and around a corner. Quite a ways away. Yeah. Suffice it to say, you guys, you can, you can, uh, we're, Trello uh, has been really uh, in, inspirational for me this year. And I didn't notice it until six months later when we're using it to evaluate the things that we did. Yeah. And if people right. don't know Trello, uh, it's I put it, I'll put it in the show notes. It's a free service. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty cool. So, uh, with with all that said, uh, let's move on to the topic at hand today. Steph, do you want to guide us into what we're talking about? I would love done to. done all that. Yep. Now that we're all warmed up. So, today we're talking about, the. I guess the topic is, I lost my wife because of my first business and it was worth it. Whoa. Stop that. What? I know Maybe you guys, I'm worth it. I know you guys want to hear more about... <laughs> Like just hit me delayed reaction. Yeah. So this is a inspired by a story from Christopher in the forum. So I'm it's it's short. So I'm gonna go ahead and read his post. He says I went to the University of Utah and majored in entrepreneurship. At the orientation, there were two speakers, and the first one opened in front of the entire business school. And he said, when I started my first business, I lost my wife, and it was worth it. Imagine a group of young, starry-eyed college kids listening to this open opening message. He continued, I wish 10 years of horrible failures upon all of you so you can truly become great entrepreneurs. And Chris says, this is another slap in the face. Are we in the right room? And he says, I'm now hitting just about 10 years after my first business, and I'm barely hitting minimum viable income. It's been a rocky road of squirrel chasing and lack of focus, but I'm optimistic that I've laid the foundation to build something great now. I hope this offers some interesting insight. He was really adamant about pushing yourself until everything breaks. And that's basically the end. There was another speaker who opened with, who was a female entrepreneur who opened with, I hate men, but that's for a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dramatic much? <laughs> you want to talk about a bone crusher? <laughs> All right. Okay. So there's so much in this. Um, first of all, just that, that sentiment. When I started my first business, I lost my wife and it was worth it. It was just like, it was when I read that, I was just like, like a ton of bricks. Yeah. I'm, I'm immediately... I'm immediately. I, people are going to have like a visceral response to this. I think. Yeah. And that, how can you not? I mean, I really, I really do have a visceral response. Yeah. Let me just add that the first response to this thread was from a fizzler named Lisa, and she says, "I think that might be the worst thing I've ever heard. It's either a gimmick or a tragedy, or a shallow person who doesn't put people before things. I really hate the school of thought that one must become a martyr to their business in order to succeed." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh! Listen to that. that oh, combo. whoa, Lisa Stauber nailing it. I love that. Listen, I really hate the school of thought that one must become a martyr to their business to succeed. Mm -hmm. Similar to that is for me, the starving artist thing. You have to be starving in order to be a true artist. Kind of. 
This is almost like the scared straight programs, right? It's like if you touch marijuana, your fingers will fingers will fall off and you'll die tomorrow. Yeah, your fingers will fall off. As you can see, I use a small marijuana now. I can't talk very clearly. I'm very hard to understand. I know that. I don't know how I became a special speaker, but here I am. Nobody knows what life has for us, and I'm here to stop I'm not going to stop yelling until your face is not so red. <laughs> Anyways, no I have been Jeremy, the speaker about drugs who yells. It's very difficult to understand, but it is a good inspiration about what is at stake if you do drugs. <sighs> Point being, don't feed the bears, first yeah. of all. Secondly, uh... <sighs> It's it's probably there's just hype, right? It's like if you're not willing to give up your relationships, then you don't deserve to be an entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. we all believe that's crap, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, but here's the thing. And then, then Lindsay Valentine, Valentine, and the next one. Sorry, Lindsay, tell me which, which way I should pronounce your last name. She she chimes in and says, "Ha ha, this is so Buzzfeed. You sucked me right in with your clever title, right? And and it that's something about this is is there like clearly clearly." There, why, why on earth would any of us be interested in it? But as soon as I heard, saw the headline of it, I was like, w- I have to know more. And, and so I was like, well, we have to make a podcast about this because yeah. I'm so bad at headlines. And that one worked on me, so totally. maybe it'll work on others. But then also, like, I think it's interesting because there is some, there's something in it that that is alluring and that we're not sure. I don't know. And more than just the cultural trend of like, clearly it's uncomfortable, right? Yeah. But there's also something that we're all working towards that really could cost us a lot in our life and this guy's just saying it blatantly out loud so either he is willing to say the things that or admit the things that we are not willing to admit or he's got a bad sort of version of this either way i think it's it, it's something that deserves exploration mm-hmm. right yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, like, when I heard it, I didn't um, I didn't realize that he was quoting something somebody else said. I expected that I was going to go into the forums and, and see this guy telling us the story about how he got divorced over his business. Mm. And immediately there's a scenario in my mind where somebody was in a bad marriage or whatever, and the business helped them sort those things out to realize what was important to them. Yeah. And I, I'm you know, I'm not the kind of person who believes like everybody's going to be married forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe that happens once in a while. But at the same time, we all have great relationships and we love our work at the same time. And I don't think you have to sacrifice one for the other. Right. Yeah, I think uh, what. There, I mean, some people. Uh, there's, we've certainly known many of us have probably known people who, who uh, thank God they got divorced, right? Like, right. you know, Louis C.K. has this bit. It's like, listen, if someone mm-hmm. gets divorced, don't say like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's right. like, it's so much better now, or whatever, right? He has a bit, a bit about that. And that's not what he, what he says. I wish I could remember because he makes it sound somehow sensitive too. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Somehow mm-hmm. sensitive, but it's like it was a nightmare. We were killing each other. That's why we decided to 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 end it, yeah. right? So some people are in those relationships. It's not about about that, but what it, what it does call into question is like is like what is it costing you to build your business, and what is the role of failure in your future success? Right. And this is something clearly that we all have to think about. We're all afraid of failing. I think a lot of us are also afraid of succeeding. Um, you know, and so there's this fear of that that keeps us you know there, there this is the the model of in case you didn't know it basically there's there's a few models of business out there one of them is the startup world represented by people like Paul Graham um uh, who runs Y Combinator the incubators this is the world of Facebook BuzzFeed tech stars all, all of this kind of stuff and the whole idea there is is you do and do and do and do and experiment 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 you have some like uh, tasty ideas but mostly you just it doesn't matter you're just in there to, to see what works and then make the thing that works mm-hmm. right and, and, and then they call what we are a lifestyle business right they call what probably you want to make a lifestyle business. Now, to them, that's like, oh, you just want to support yourself, your family, your wife, a couple employees, whatever, and do that. That's cool. But that's like a, you, you, we're, you know, lifestyle businesses are kind of like spat upon by the, the startup world. Um, so in the startup world, it's like, no, 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 man, you got to relish in your, fa- in your failures. You get out there and you fail as fast as you possibly can because that's how you know you're on the right track to find something that one day is going to actually work. Yeah. And which is, you know, explained really well in this case sentiment. I hope this 
offers some, uh, sorry, I wish 10 years of horrible failures upon all of you so that you can truly become great entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right, which is which is a bad way of, I feel like he, he it's a bad way of, of, of constructing that because I can say, I wish that you, I hope that you survive 10 years of failure with enough heart and hope to right. land on the thing yeah. that once you're developed. This, this bozo you know, is like vilifying failure. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. exactly what you can't do as an entrepreneur because as soon as you're like paralyzed by the fear of failure, then you don't make any progress. Yeah. Right. But there is something about the um, willingness to. Steph, another thing on your list for, for. Tell us about the other thing on your list about being willing yeah. to sort of mess up. So, yesterday as a group, uh, as Chase mentioned, we're doing planning and sort of vision setting for 2016. And we did this little exercise that actually, by the way, just as a side note for everybody out there, it was a really great exercise. We called it What I Want from Fizzle. And all of us spent some time individually thinking about what we want to get from this company. Yeah. So, just for everybody out there, that was, a, for me, it was great to think mm. through like, why am I here and what do I hope that this provides for me? One of the things for me was learning how to try new things and mm -hmm. put stuff out there without allowing the fear of messing up hold me back to the point where I don't do the thing. Because yeah. that happens, right? I mean, mm -hmm. especially for me being the newcomer and you guys have been at this for a lot longer than I have. There are times when I want to create and mm -hmm. I want to break out and do something that's my own type of project. But it could be anything from the fear of what the team thinks to the fear of what our members think. And honestly, part of it is also like the fear of it not being a hit. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. we talk about that. Well, let's a lot stop, too. pause there for a second. Like the fear of it not being a hit. Yeah. And I think, I think that probably resonates with a lot of listeners. Yep. You're writing a thing, you're coming up with an idea for a podcast. You got and what you're not saying to yourself is that it's not okay if it's not a hit. Right. I'm not okay if I don't nail this right from the start yeah. or something, and you know? it's the culture we live in too. Like even if you look at Instagram and how that's blowing up right now, you, c you can find yourself afraid of putting something on Instagram yeah. if it doesn't get a certain amount of likes and all these other things that we that we face as we try to, you know, grow and promote ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't think any of, I, I, can't, I, I can't say that I ever started with a hit. Right. Did, it, did it, Corbett, did you no. start with a hit? No. Never, you never have? I figured of all of the four of us, you would have been the most likely. Started with a hit? Yeah. Like as in like my very first business idea was a hit? Or just oh, like no, your, I mean like your product took off right away. Product or like, like your first blog post or your like. I don't know. Yeah. I mean the, my, the blog that I started in 2009, I guess there was like a few months where I was fig and figuring it, it out. It was right from, yeah, it was a few months and of you. it was good after that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, so, I, and I think you learn so much. Like what did, what did we, what were we talking about in the projects? Uh, oh yeah, we did, we did like a, a partnership with. Uh, Grant Baldwin mm -hmm. and another with Jeff Goins and what we realized is like oh wow we didn't get that that didn't go the way we expected it to because they were our first ones really and now we I think we'll come with different expectations to the thing same thing happens whenever you start a new project mm -hmm. you're like oh I wasn't expecting that to happen you had the guts to do it even though it didn't even though like whatever you 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 had some expectations and it didn't happen and then because you kind of broke that seal, it can be you can reset yep. the expectations and keep going. But I think the need to make it a hit, that fear of it not being a hit, yep. is a huge thing for me personally in like not pursuing things that I, I think personally I have a lot of interest in. Right. But because it wouldn't maybe be a hit or it wouldn't get as big, it would just look silly if I exactly. did it. You know. Right. You, is it the silliness? Uh, I think. No. Yeah. No. You're right. Like, what, what would you say? I don't know. I've, and it might be, it might just be different motivations. So like for me, you know, part of the big fear of launching anything again for like from now on is will this actually be worth my time? Will it make any money? Will it return some kind yeah. of financial value back to right. me so that I can, because to me on some level that validates the investment of time and energy and insight into whatever yeah. the idea is. And that's just kind of where I'm at in life right now as yeah. far as, money being an important thing to set my fiance and I up for, for the life that we want to build, totally. especially in the early stage stages of a marriage. But it also goes back to my experience as an entrepreneur and just knowing that failing from a financial standpoint can mm. have big effects on you. Yeah. And it's challenging. And in some cases it can lead to issues like the one that this entrepreneur got up in front of the room at the university of Utah and highlighted. Yeah. So, so what, help me understand exactly what you're saying. I said like, Oh, I might look silly if I do this. Right. And you're so like, no, this I is... might look silly. And I also might be out like X th tens of thousands yeah. of dollars. The, like I, I'm investing this time in this yeah. thing. I, I, I actually need a, a, a financial 
reward from it of, a, of something like, like this. Yeah, and I think that changes yeah. as as time goes on and as you totally. have different experiences and your life situation changes. You know, maybe you do want the recognition and you want it to take off and be something that people respect. Yeah. Whereas at another time in life, you might need it to succeed from a financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. Those are two very different motivations, but they don't change the reality of not wanting to fail, right. which I think is interesting. Yeah. I think one thing to point out too, at least for me, I've noticed just how much higher the stakes are as an entrepreneur. You know, before this working at a really big company, I may have felt a little bit more confident trying sure. things because yeah. if it didn't work out. There were so many things that I could say like I wasn't supported by the business or, you know, it's yeah. a huge company. There's more places to hide. Honestly, yeah, totally. that's part of what it comes down to. Whereas I think what Barrett's getting at is if you put yourself on the line as an entrepreneur, you know that you have to stand by it, like right, wrong, yep. or indifferent. Do you, did you feel part. safer uh, when Definitely. you were in another, right? A hundred percent, because there were so many different things you could point to. Leadership wasn't right, or we weren't spending enough marketing dollars. I mean, people go on all day long yeah. because there's other departments that play together. Um, yeah. Whereas when it's your own thing. You point a finger. And, le- and yeah. leaders, mentors that probably believed in you yeah. and, and things like that. That would, that would have some leeway for you to whatever, try some stuff, make a mistake. Well, or... the support of the organization too. If mm-hmm. I made a mistake, a project didn't work out. It's not like the business was on the line. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Right. So, and, and I think, um, I want to get back to that idea of that you have to have 10 years of horrible failures before you can be a truly great entrepreneur. Horrible failures can actually damage you pretty seriously. It can, yeah. And it can make you take a step back or it can make you stop trying. Give me like an example for what you think. I'm just looking at Barrett over here because I know his his last startup left some scars. Yeah, Mm. for sure. Um, And uh, and mine, my first did as well, the venture capital back startup that I did. Yeah. Uh, it left some financial scars because there was about a year when we were shopping around for investors. And then it left emotional scars also. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like I'm a better person for it, but I think it's hyperbolic to say you need 10 years of horrible failures. Yeah. I think maybe you need a failure or something to let you know, oh, that's where the line is. I don't want to get close to that yeah. again. Yeah. But then instead of considering them failures, it's more like you need maybe 10 years of like being in the streets or in the trenches and getting your street cred and like, you know, getting roughed up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't have to be horrible failures. Yeah. I don't don't want people to think that's all entrepreneurial. So Barrett, in the context of that, would you be open to sharing some of your, your last uh, startup experience story? Uh, Yes. And actually I think what might be good what do you think about just reading a little bit of what I sent you guys about that the other day? Do it. Do it. Do you have it up there? I will grab it right now. Yeah, I like that. I think uh, because there are these, there are these. Um, I don't know, we're thinking about like what's at stake as an entrepreneur? What are the consequences? What are the stakes? Right? And I think that's something that our, our uh, even if it never comes to our frontal lobe of our brain, there's something, there's like this deep, dark like thing that we're not even aware of. Like, I don't know, for some reason I equate it to like the intelligence of your body. Your body is smart about stuff regardless of what you think. You know what I mean? You know how your food gets digested? Mm-hmm. You know how like you know how like a woman's body just like labor happens? Or you just make a baby. You just yeah. like it's You're just like, what? I love how Steph's just over there going like, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm pretty aware. I, yeah. I <laughs> Seriously. Know. My the most uh, most powerful moments in my life were in labor delivery right. rooms, right? And um there's this deep, deep wisdom of the I I I honestly want to want to say this deep wisdom of a woman's body because I'm not so sure that these guys with our dangly bits have much wisdom going on. All right, you know what I mean. But uh, but like you're there's this like there's this thing your body knows that like my my wife's sitting there the whole time in labor going like I can't do it I can't do it I can't do it her body just goes like and does it right right. Um, and similarly, I think there's things in there's things we know that we don't know we know in the background like that are like. I, whatever these 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 uh, irrational fears and and thoughts that we haven't even put words to, we don't know they're in there floating around. We don't know, like like whatever like thieves hanging in the shadows or monsters in the, in the darkness. We just kind of are like, I don't think I'm alone yeah. <laughs> in here. And I think that's what some of these fears of failure trigger. And that's what I think a big failure could potentially make you believe that there's no way to survive that, right? And can kind of end your life as an entrepreneur. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to. Do you have your thing up? I have my thing up. Let's let's see. So your... The context for this was kind of. Uh, I tend to have this this general sense of frustration with how fast that I can move as a person, or how well I can execute, and then how fast we as a team yeah. get things done on occasion. Were you the and, guy in the in this in the group at school that like was like 
I'll just do it. <laughs> yes, I was always that guy. Just like, <laughs> totally. okay, you guys go away, and I'll get this done and come back in a week or whatever. So that was the context for this, and it was kind of a kind of a rallying cry at the beginning of the year, like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. So I said, uh, I titled it, Why I Push So Hard. Four years ago, I founded a company. It was probably bound to fail from the beginning, if for no other reason than simple lack of experience. But I stayed at it for three years. That's three years with no day job, two years with little to no income, and an unbearable number of sleepless nights, fights with Nicole, which is my fiance, and days spent working alone. I got so stressed out during that time that I convinced myself I had cancer. I went to the doctor repeatedly to try to find what was wrong with me. And it turns out there was only one thing wrong, a failing business and no one alongside me in the trenches. In other words, despair. In the process, I racked up $10,000 in credit card debt. Nicole added another $10,000 of her own just to keep us paying our bills and living a decent life. I lived in my parents' basement. Nicole lived at home with her parents and it was all self-inflicted. Finally, three years in, after working with Seth Godin, I finally started to see what I couldn't see before. The audience was all wrong. I wasn't clear on what exactly I was selling. I had no clear path to earning, earning any respectable amount of revenue, and it was time to shut it down. That's when I showed up at Fizzle, broken and debilitating credit card debt, my confidence in shambles, craving collaboration and learning and mentorship, starving for technical skills, the lack of which had contributed so much to our failure. It was a hard process and I'm still unwinding the physical and emotional toll it took on me and my relationships to Nicole, family, and friends. That's what I'm thinking about when I'm pissed off that we're not executing or when I don't understand why we've chosen a, chosen a podcast topic or when we don't put out a course. It's because I know there are hundreds and thousands of people who think if they just take the leap, quit their jobs, and believe in themselves, they'll have a successful business. But we all know that's just not true. I want us at Fizzle to be the solution. I want us to speak truth to what they're going to experience. I want to acknowledge what they're feeling, sure, but more importantly, I want to give them the tools to actually change their situation. Talking about self-doubt would not have been helpful to Elon Musk when SpaceX's third rocket launch failed. What was helpful was launching the fourth rocket. All of his energy needed to go towards solving the root problems in order to move beyond the doubt and fear and prove that Musk was able to execute on his plans. So when we choose a topic like talking about self-doubt, I recognize it might feel good to the audience, but I come to it frustrated because my greatest fear is that we'll give people an excuse to feel sorry for themselves, that we'll talk so much about the symptom that we'll never help them address the root cause. It's not a lack of empathy, it's empathy so deep that I know what the downside could be we don't approach the topic just right. In other words, it's personal. It's not that I'm unhappy with where we are as a team. It's that I have a sense of urgency about solving the problems these people have in their businesses. And the more we shy away from leaning into the work at hand, teaching, the more we cheat our customers out of everything they need to know to have a fighting chance at building a successful business. So this was just kind of this narrative. Hold on. What does it feel like to just read that out? It feels pretty good. It feels like uh, that is kind of my story of how I landed here yeah, on right? the show, working with mm -hmm. you guys, like where my, when people, you know, when people make the, the Barrett top or the whatever <laughs> jokes about when I get frustrated Barrett on the show, broadside. like yeah. that's what those topics bring out of me Yeah, is this recollection of a time when things were very, very difficult in my life. Yeah. And that's all relative, of you're, course. And you're close to it. I mean, yeah, it hasn't been that long. that right? long. Yeah. You know, that was only a couple of years ago. It hits nerve. In the middle of it. Yeah, it does. Because yeah. you sure. realize what's at stake. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I see such a parallel between that narrative and what I believe this professor in the story was probably trying to mm -hmm. do. I mean, this is Christopher's first class or first week at an entrepreneurship program. Young college kids probably sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to open a business and everything's going right. to be awesome. Yeah. So there probably was sort of that same level of empathy, which is mm -hmm. almost like a weeding out that probably did need to happen with these yeah. students, with these kids who are sitting mm -hmm. there thinking, I'm just going to start a business and it's going to solve all my problems. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe he's doing or she right uh is doing the class a favor perhaps yeah, right. yeah i mean <clears throat> it sounds like something that you would could be likely to say from stage almost barrett right because yeah. i got cancer from my first business <laughs> <laughs> am, am i right like totally something like that uh, because I my first business gave me cancer or something yeah. Like that. yeah yeah my first business gave me cancer and it was worth it <laughs> <laughs> but the idea uh, here is i mean i i look at that and, and i can't help but see how 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 brave how um uh 
I don't know uh, how courageous it is to throw yourself into the fire and also unsafe, right? Like Aslan and, and, and Chronicles of Narnia is like, he's, a, he, he's, he's not safe. No, he's not safe, but he's good. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's this sense of, um, so for me on the other side, I had, a, I had a handful of scary moments financially, but I could always just get a couple more clients if I wanted to and really put it mm-hmm. together. And I also had the savings um, if we really needed to, the, the people we could stay with if we needed to move out of the house. And um, because for me, it's debilitating. When I get the, the, the feeling that you are feeling, the fear of the money stuff, the debt accruing, mm-hmm. the stuff like that, this is not okay, this is not okay, this is not, when I get that, I'm I'm paralyzed. Right. Like I can't touch I can't touch that fear. So I don't know if either either I I believe that like nothing is effed here, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or or because it's true, or I construct a reality in which in which I'm gonna have to lean on my friends or my family or or and and I if I don't do that, then I won't have the insight to push through and actually make yeah. it successful. Right. And you have to. You kind of you, you have to. But what you did was you put yourself under. Uh, uh, so much pressure. Right. I think you know a lot of us do that. Mm. A lot of us see that this is, you know, when, I, when we were talking to Val last episode about like, and she's going like, maybe it's not that I wanted to run my own business. Maybe it's that I wanted more creativity and autonomy from within an organization or whatever. Or maybe it doesn't. I don't care if I run a business. I just want to not have to worry about finances. I want to do work that I care about. I want autonomy and creativity, and and you know to have stuff to do mm-hmm. right um and i think so many of us are, are are not looking at that way we're putting ourselves under a lot of pressure partly because some of the stuff like like what this entrepreneur was saying to this group of of people there's a lore about like hurry up and fail mm-hmm. uh a, a lot of things like that because there's so what's so hard about that is there's something good yeah there's some validity there for sure it reminds right? me of as the audience probably knows my background's in sales and mm-hmm. sales training and one thing we did used to train people was get as many no's as you can yep. right yeah. away. And yeah. that sounds like, you know, uh, inflicting pain upon yourself. Totally. But if you hit the phone thinking that every call has to be a yes, at a certain point, it's just too scary to pick yeah. up the phone again. Too so when you give yourself yep. permission to get a no, and mm-hmm. even then also think about if I get 10 no's, it's probably going to get me to a yes, then that failure feels productive versus right. inhibiting. Yeah. So I and, know. and that's, I mean just for Barrett in the future, like if you start another business, you're going to have to give your per- yourself permission to fail again. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise you'll never get started. Right. And, yeah. and then just realize that you have to figure out a way to get through that failure. So let's think about that. Permission to failure. All right. Uh, you can, you, you give yourself permission to fail. Mm-hmm. All right. This is something that could be insanely liberating to people if they could really do this to themselves. Right. right? If they can actually give them, I was just speaking to a, a great group of people at a conference called Converge. Highly recommend this con. Con, uh, uh, what did I say? Contest? Uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, I should probably bleep that too. Uh, you know? uh, uh, Converge Summit, right? It's, uh, it's convergesummit.com. I really like this. This is like, uh, it feels like WDS in the very, 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 very early days. Mm-hmm. Good group of people, very focused and very like, I don't know, the, just the right kind of people. Um, and I got to speak there a few times and I am the, uh, I am like the guy that like they're making jokes about from the back, from the front of the room all the time. They're like, well, if Chase was up here, <laughs> there'd be so much cussing, <laughs> you know, and crying. <laughs> Cause I've done that two times on stage there. So, um, but um, anyways, talking to these people and, and what I kind of like landed on in, in part of my talk is uh, just like one of the side notes was what if the most creative entrepreneurial successful thing you can do this year is allowing yourself to fail yeah but i didn't really answer the how do you allow yourself to fail thing because what you can do is you can look in the mirror and say beetlejuice 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 three three times hey (laughs) everybody say my name everybody jumped it was great (laughs) exactly and michael keaton pops out and you're like you've got a little thing you get some like growth on your face what's happening over there yeah a little schmutz but um but oftentimes Beetlejuice doesn't show up, right? So you can say, I give myself permission to failure. I give myself permission to fail. I give myself permission to fail. I don't know. I don't know if I'm giving, I don't know if it worked or not, right? Like, yeah. like what can we but I do? Think you can define that better. So, yeah. so, you know, failure is this big, like you said, this thing in the darkness. We don't know what it is. It's really scary. But if instead you define it, you say, I'm going to give myself, you know, two years. Yeah. And if I have to spend X 
dollars of my own savings. Um, right. and, but at the same time, I'm at least learning, then that's an acceptable failure. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. See, and I do think that's key. And that's a lot of, been a lot of my thinking actually about my own situation today is if I were ever going to start another business, I would have to be set up with X amount of savings that gives me two years or however long. And the backup plan is this. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people say, you know, don't contingency plan, don't backup plan, you know, burn your bridges, whatever, go all in. And at the, that's how I felt about that first go at it was there is no backup plan. I'll yeah. figure that out when I get there. I don't want that in my mind because it'll be more likely to happen. Now, though, I recognize that if you just establish the timeline, the budget, and what's going to happen if everything goes to shit, mm -hmm. then you can then operate with that in the back of your mind at all times and yeah. say, if everything goes horribly wrong in this venture, I will have been at it for two years. I will have learned a lot. I will have spent this much money yeah. and I will go find a job doing whatever. So right. would you say then that you perhaps contingent to this is you have to be comfortable with the worst case scenario? I think you should always establish the worst case scenario that is acceptable to you mm -hmm. and then design for that. In my opinion, that's what I would do next time. Is what do you mean by design for that? As in like, if Plan you're not okay, it's almost like... Um, investing in startups, you know, people, yeah. investors always say, don't invest money. You're not ready to lose. I would say the same thing about your own business. Don't mm -hmm. invest time. Don't invest money. Don't invest energy that you're not ready to lose yeah. because it's going to be interesting yeah. and you're going to learn a lot either way, but it's not guaranteed. If you want to go play up the blackjack table, it's fine, but know how much your right. upper spending limit is yeah, before exactly. you sit down. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think just thinking about my own situation, I guess I really apply the same type of thinking in my decision to come to Fizzle. Uh -huh. Leaving Groupon, having, you know, the safety, there were some salary adjustments I had to make and mm -hmm. sit down with John, my husband, and make sure we were in a good place financially in order to execute on this. And I did have to ask myself the, qu the question, like, what if this doesn't work? What, mm -hmm. if this, what if I don't fit with this team? What if this it doesn't really, you know, become a home for me forever? Yeah. What am I going to do? And I had to imagine that worst case scenario. And for me, it was like, okay, I'll go get another job. Mm -hmm. And I had to be comfortable yeah. enough with that failure because it could have failed. It totally could have failed. Yeah. Luckily, it didn't. Mm -hmm. But I had to be comfortable saying, you know, I tried and I'm grateful for that. And I'll just hit the job market and do something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's so it's really interesting to think about the uh, different places we all came from to uh, build businesses or to, or to attempt. Yeah. And how, what sort of safety nets we had. Right. So, you know, in Barrett's case, he's mm. very young. He goes out on his own and, uh, you know, leaves his job entirely and doesn't have a whole lot of financial reserves. Right. And so you end up in literal debt because of it. Yep. Yeah. I was a little bit older and I waited till I had a little bit of a financial cushion. It still didn't feel good. It still sent me to the doctor's office because right. I had stress that made me think I was having heart trouble or something. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that was because I was watching my savings dwindle and not right. knowing what the potential outcome might be. So it doesn't necessarily make it feel better, but it did mean that after that failure, I had enough reserves to be okay with trying again, yeah. right? even though I had just failed without yeah. having any sort of period in between. But I did learn that how important revenue is, um, because if you don't want to be beholden to investors, then if you have revenue, it makes you feel better right away. Mm. Makes you feel like there's there's not so much urgency, and um, it it keeps you from having to spend which is a little bit of a double edged sword, right? Yep. Because the importance of revenue, and it's like Barrett, that's something you knew and ten and intensely, mm -hmm. and it brought an intense amount of pressure with it, right? Right. That either. I, that uh, also didn't lead to the clarity earlier, right? Like That's you true. came to a point where you're like, oh, I see now. I don't think this is the, I don't think this thing can work. Right. Um, and that intense pressure didn't make that more clear for you um, earlier on. Yeah, honestly, it, it probably prevented me from seeing that earlier. Yeah, because like, I think I a lot wrapped up, money, all right. of us wrapped our, wrap our, our whole thing up into it. Like, right? right. Yeah. You and me, particularly, Barrett, in this group, right. we are the ones that go like, it's not, I am not okay right. if right. I don't succeed here. Yep. Like, I, like, I don't have, like, I think for me personally, as a, as a kid, uh, my parents tried the hardest they could, but for some reason, I think there's something that I felt that was like, I don't get a seat at the dinner table unless... I perform right. X, Y, and Z, yep. right? Which has led to me being able to do a lot of, like I can play guitar really well. Yep. You know what I mean? And, I, and, and, and they supported me, but there was a, there was a, I, I, there was a contract. Yep. There was like, you have to be the best. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to be the best. And I knew from a young age that, that, that that's probably what drove me towards Jesus in, in, in high school because it was like, 
no, I don't, I don't think this is the way to transformation. I don't think this is the way to success and happiness either. Mm. Um, and so, anyways, I'll bring that. I'll, I'll, like, I know that, that that's what's inside of me. That's what, that's what I start with. That's the four-year-old impulse and, and insecurity going like, it's not okay if you don't pull yourself out of this hole. Right, it's not okay if you ask for help or whatever. Right, right? so you and I are going to bring that and need that from mm-hmm. the work. That's that's another thing from the the talk. I was like, the talk that I gave was um, was basically like, why is it so hard to follow your bliss? Like, why this is what Joseph Campbell calls like you know whatever. What's life about? Well, you follow your bliss. Like, what we all talk about, I want to do what I love for a living. I want to find my passion. I want to do this that, and the other. And the conversation that I wanted to have was just like, why is this? Why is this so hard? And what I came up with for me was, this is so hard. I, I make this so hard because of what I need from the work. I need to be successful. I'm not already successful. I need to be more. I'm not already enough. I need to have my peers tell me how good I am because I already don't feel that, mm-hmm. right? All those things. And once you kind of name them, you go like, I don't, I don't, that's not true. Like my wife and son are my tribe. Yeah. Like they're the, they love me. They think I'm cool. I've totally convinced them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and so you have like, but I like think part of this permission to fail thing for me is getting clear about what I need from this work, what I expect from it mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a monetary sense, in a very like sort of, um, I don't know, uh, uh, clinical financial sense that, that like this is how much money I need. But also from an emotional, personal development sort of sense, like what do I need to feel mm. from this work? Like what do I need to feel? And it's that's different from from I think there's this there's this good way of thinking about it. Like what do you want to feel from your work? Like I want right. to feel excited. I want to feel not overwhelmed and all these things. It can be interesting to label those. But going back to this concept of like okay, so because I, I think that's what we found in this is this is. This is the vein of this conversation is permission to fail. Right. And if we can really nail a couple tangible things for people to, to like, okay, here's some ideas on how to give yourself permission to fail. Now, Corbett, when you said like, well, you can give yourself, you can say a couple things like, I'm going to give myself two years. And what, what else did you say? Because I know that, that's something uh, that was, we talked about a few things. Safety nets. All right. You mentioned yeah. safety nets. You did your, your big VC backed company mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, that's, that is a kind of safety net, right? In a way. In a way. You also weren't alone. You had a partner. Yeah. Yep. And, and the kind of group mind is a kind of a safety net. Age and experience. You waited a little longer in some ways and you also had some savings. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talked about establishing the worst case scenario. Yep. Uh, knowing, and this is something I remember hearing from Tim Ferriss and, and whatever the, Cicero or whatever philosopher that he talks about so much, but mm-hmm. but that idea of like if everything goes horribly wrong, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because stoicism, we're all gonna die from cancer anyways. So so it's like it's that stoicism. It's his favorite recent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Val in the in the episode Tell last he doesn't know something we don't know. <laughs> Val in the episode last week was just like okay, so here's the summary, and I couldn't get back past the first. She was like, I'm so incredibly grateful you guys talked about this. Um, here's how I heard it. Here's the summary. Chase says we're all going to die of cancer, so it doesn't matter anyways. And then I, and there was like a bunch that came after that, but it was like the, the bomb dropped in the film and all you can hear is beep. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> anyways, um, if everything goes horribly, horribly wrong, either, I, like what, what's the worst case scenario look like? And then also like that being so, what are some good things that you'll have still gotten from it, even if it does fail? Yeah. Two years of experience, mm-hmm. personal development, and X, Y, and Z. What What else about this permission to fail? Can we help people restructure the way that they're looking on this? Yeah. Because I think it's just, it's not that difficult. We've that, That's already a, a bunch of things that are that are really helpful. Yeah. Well, and I think that, so the, the time factor matters because y- it may be that, you have that failure and then you decide to try again and yeah. then you fail again. Yeah. And maybe there's a cycle for a while, but you need to put in some, um, some fail safes or some circuit breakers that are going to blow yeah. where you then review everything and then kind of redecide if you're giving yourself permission, another permission slip yeah. to fail. So, you know, we should address Christopher a little bit who brought this up because sure. we kind of glossed over the fact that he said, I'm now hitting just about 10 years after my first business and barely hitting minimum viable income. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. But you have to wonder along that process, like what has his journey been like? Yeah. 10 years of failures yeah. and he hasn't been able to support himself. How is he supporting himself? 
Um, is he living at home with his parents? Is somebody else supporting yep. him? Yeah. Like, what has that done to him and his psyche? And mm-hmm. how much has he aged in those 10 years? Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. And and so I guess, you know, if, if I were on that journey, and, and maybe Christopher did this, I hope that it was sort of broken up into well-defined chunks where you at least cognitively, like you have the conversation with yourself to say, okay, I failed. Now, what am I willing to give up again? Yeah, and how right. am I going to define that? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just a, a gambler who has access to his entire bank account. Yeah. And um, and you wake up the next day and you're like, I, I lost it all. I yeah. I believe it. But I yeah, don't. you know, it's, it's funny because uh, actually a lot of projects probably don't fail. They just kind of fizzle out, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, uh, uh, which I could tell you about a company here in a little bit. That like you should, what you did there. Mm-hmm. Probably, but, but, I, but it's true. I took my son to the bus stop this morning. Uh, neighbor who's really great. She's my wife's chiropractor and she's awesome. And uh, Barrett's chiropractor too, I believe. Um, and she's like where she rolls up on her bike with her, with her kid and her little daughter. And she has this totally cute, like um, kind of like, imagine like a poncho that Patagonia made almost, right? Like it's, so it's made from like sort of high performance material, sure. keeps the rain off, a little bit of like fleece on the inside, probably with a hood. Probably doesn't do any uh, ecological damage. No, hey, probably, yeah, exactly. Built. Exactly. Yeah. So you're riding your bike and you basically have this huge, like sort of poncho tulipy thing, like coming down over you with, with a hood. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Like, well, look at that awesome thing. She's like, yeah, I make these. What? And, and she's like, well, originally it was from like in Portland, we're walking around in the rain and she pulls out this little card and, um, she made it so that like it has a nether pouch that comes up off the front. So when you're carrying your baby in like one of those ergo front baby carriers, mm-hmm. you kind of have this little pouch that goes over and protect your baby. their head as well Stop. as yours. And yeah. Amazing. Right. And she's like, yeah. And I just, you know, at one point there was like, it was in a couple stores and I kind of have a website and a, like a, a, a Twitter account, a Facebook account that are, totally ignored for the past year and a half you know and I, and then it was in some stars and then i just like never really called him back and we stuff so i don't know i've got like i had a mate overseas and i got a box uh, like of a few of them left and yada 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 and i was just like thinking about and she's like really i'm a chiropractor she loves what she does she owns her chiropractor business but the idea is i mean what an awesome idea first of all cool interesting niche product something that that like really meets a need and then, and an entrepreneur who just like is a go-getter and like did this thing and I'm kind of like, yeah, we'll see if I ever do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of side projects, things that start as side projects or potentials yeah. kind of go that way, you know? But maybe she got the creative fulfillment out of it that she was looking for. I, and like, yeah, maybe like you, you, you maybe get, that the, was the whole point. get the pen out of, your, out of your pencil or pencil out of your ink lead. or whatever, the lead out of your pencil. And then you're like, ah, yeah, I don't know. Because it, it, it's true. You can th- picture what it's like to run that company. You're like, yeah, maybe I don't really want to run that company. Totally. You know, but I think a lot of a lot of businesses or ideas fizzle out instead of like really, really hard fail because most of us don't put ourselves in the position that Barrett put himself in. Right. Where it's like, no, nope, I rode my boat over here and then I burned my boat. I'm not leaving. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yep. we have to survive on this island. Right. Yeah. Um, and and that you're right that that can be a real go getter sort of thing, but it can also like backfire backfire well, yeah. that leads me to one thing that i wanted to add you so you asked on permission to fail what are some more specific things yeah one thing i would say is protect yourself you know for me mm. i think i like this little mantra of work is not worth i've heard that i can't remember where uh-huh. i heard that but I, I really like that and the way that we're talking about this you know in barrett's case for example or corbett's case making that decision to try again after failure, it almost feels like talking about relationships. It's yeah. very similar, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. Think about how we've all, maybe we've been there ourselves, where we have that friend who puts all their stock in a relationship yeah. working out. Mm-hmm. And they think to themselves, I, you know, the only way I can be happy in life is if I stay married to this person, if I end up married to this person. And what kind of pressure that puts on the relationship, yeah. like that almost never works. Yeah. yeah. And there's an element of loving yourself first. You hear that advice or yeah. knowing yourself first. And, you know, you can get a lot out of the having relationship. Having a spine, boundaries, yeah, et cetera. Exactly. But then if the relationship does have to end, having the courage to love again, it's, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. So to yeah. me, there's also in permission to failure, you have to, be comfortable with the worst case scenario, but I would also say then detach from it and be okay with like if you if the worst case scenario happens, you can't hate yourself for it. Yeah, you know you have to be okay with the fact that, that might happen, and you're still a good person, and you are still enough, and all yeah. those other things. So to me, that's I, I think a really critical element. Yeah, you know I it's it, there's there's language happening here that can't help but trigger something for me. Trying again uh, is mm-hmm. you know you know that or if you don't know like I. My wife and I, we lost our second child in full-term labor in the room, and it was heavy, right? You, you, I lost a child. I lost a son. And um, 
and now we're actively trying again. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like a very, very hit home kind of thing for me. But but there's a big difference here for me. Or something. First of all, losing Rowan uh, was was something that was in really transforma- transformational for me. Uh, Stephen Colbert in his article in GQ has this great interview in GQ. He lost at like age eleven or twelve. He lost his his dad and his two brothers. Um, and he has a few other siblings, but they were all out of the house. So it was just him and his mom when he was like 11 mm-hmm. and he was just like dropped out of school. Like he was in school, but he's like, what are you going to do? Are you gonna give me detention. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so I was right. like, what do you, right. you can't do anything to me. Right. And, um, and in his, it was, it's just really, really touching article in the way that he came about it back came back from there. Um, and he was walking around, I forget the scene, but he's like walking around from New York and, and it just kind of struck him how, losing his, how grateful he was for losing his dad and his mm. brothers and how horribly guilty that made him feel mm. because it transformed the way he looked at life yeah but he lost these people mm-hmm. you know what i mean like right. and it was i found myself in there a lot i didn't i never got to see the color of my son's eyes i never got to yada 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 we we moved our whole family for him i i i, I we we prepared ourselves for him and um, and it didn't, and it didn't, it didn't happen. Right. It didn't, he never came home. And that was, it, it was, it's such, it's like the most meaningful moving per like good thing that's ever happened to me. That is so, I'm so guilty about that in some ways. So that's so much incongruity. Um, but it produced gratitude in me inexplicably, right? Imagine failing your business Barrett and then coming at life with more expansiveness than before. Mm-hmm. This shouldn't happen, right? But something about grief is, is very, it's very powerful. Grief is not, you, like, you did this. It's right. your fault. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, my wife had that. She felt that for a long time. She wrote a beautiful, amazing piece recently about mm-hmm. what it's like to try again after stillbirth. Um, anyways, so trying again is to me a very sort of sacred uh, whatever thing and and the gratitude that a failure has produced in me was is has transformed me and is the most literally the most important part of me it's the thing i feel like it's the piece that fixed me and here and and i think that um as long as you move on and and your your life gets back on track or in the case yeah. of entrepreneurship if you move on from a failure and then eventually you succeed yeah you look back on everything that led up to that point as foundational. Yeah. You know, and, and some of those like really, and you're bad. on, you're on stage going, I hope you all have 10 years of failure. Yeah. So right. that you see what it's like on the other side. Right. And, and so there's such a better way to have versed that. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, inflammatory, but, yeah. but like, it's like the way a drill sergeant would say it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of like the way a caring mentor would say, and it. do you know what that, you know what that is to me? The difference is a drill sergeant says you have to be more than you already are. Right. And I think the transformational thing is to realize you are already enough. Right. Right. And I, that, that will always, like, I will always, like, I, I, can, I can literally create a mountain with my, with my hands and my heart if I, if I believe that. And, and everywhere there's someone else yelling at, like, like, you don't have enough to build this mountain, let's prove it or whatever. Right. It's like, I'm sorry, dude, I'm not going to go out for star wide receiver on the varsity team or something. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I never got with those guys. I never got it. So we're at the end of our conversation here. Is there anything you guys want to add about this? I think this is, this is turned into a really good conversation about, mm-hmm. I mean, don't forget, this started with the headline. When I f- started my first business, I lost my wife and it was worth it. And we've come a long way and we found the, the sort of through line of, can you this year, it's the start of 2016 for those of you listening, it's, it's wherever you are in your business. Right now, can you reset yourself and give yourself permission to fail? Here's some interesting, tangible ways to do that. What about a time limit? What about setting your expectations? I expect to get this many email subscribers, this much revenue, this many products out the door, this much work I can commit to, right? That was something mm-hmm. we talked about this weekend was like, you can't commit to making a masterpiece, mm-hmm. but you can commit to making 100 paintings this year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's the, the world is in the difference between those yeah. two, yeah. you know? And something in that is a permission to fail to me, something yeah. about safety net and... Um, I don't know, protection, mm-hmm. like you said, Steph, and the importance of revenue. I mean, that's, this has to, this all comes down in, into like the importance of, of like, we all have to earn a living. 
You have to make money. And a lot of us are searching for how can I earn a living doing something that, that I at least care about? If not, figuring out how to, how to, how to get paid to do what I love, mm-hmm. right? So how do, we, how do we do that in 2016? Actually, this is coming out on Friday, mm-hmm. and we're going to let the sale go on this day too, right? What? The, the sale that we're currently running. Uh, or does it? Yeah, it ends. It ends at midnight. The end, midnight today. Uh, yeah, midnight today. Friday the fifteenth. Yeah, I guess we should January. we should say the the actual the actual date. That is true. Yes, Friday. So fifteenth of January. Friday the fifteenth of January. If you're listening to this as it comes out live, it's your last day to uh, take advantage of. We're, we're we're doing this for the first time ever. A sale on a membership at Fizzle is is a membership at Fizzle Barrett going to make it so you can't fail? No. It's never going to make it so that you can't fail, but we can give you some of the tools you need to be able to establish some of those parameters we talked about. And and at the end of the day, the heart, the reasoning behind doing a sale like this, we've had so many people email us and say, this is ridiculous. You shouldn't be doing this. It's too cheap. Like you, There really have been a lot of people like, yes. thanks for the delay. I remember I saw someone's status update inside Fizzle going like, hey, thanks for the, for the discount. I, this is awesome. I took advantage of it. <laughs> this is... This is too cheap, right? Like, <laughs> and I love being able to say that, and it's fun because it's there, we're on there and whatever. Yeah. But it really, it was a real thing that someone yeah. really said, and it, and I really heard it. <laughs> and I was like, it probably. I mean, is it? I don't know, but it feels good when they're saying. I just said, yes, I, I replied to her. I was like, make us proud. You know what I mean? You know, I, yeah. I wrote this facetious question in the FAQ that's going to go out to our email list in a couple of days about the sale. The first one was, "You're running a sale? What? Have you joined the dark side?" Uh-huh. And it's like. No, we haven't. The reason we do this kind of thing at this time of the year is because we do truly believe that if you spend a year, if you give yourself a year, you commit to a year of building a business, you commit to being in Fizzle and being active and taking advantage of the resources we provide you for a full year, I think it's going to be very hard at a minimum not to have learned so much about who you are as a person, about the kind of business that you believe should exist in the world. And if nothing else, to be better prepared to succeed in the future if you haven't succeeded in the yeah. business that you're currently in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we do this because almost anyone can scrounge up $245 that they need to to commit to a thing that matters to them. Yeah. And this week, for one week, we're doing a thing we never do and we're letting you do that mm-hmm. so that you can come alongside us and we can come alongside you. And for the next year, together, we can be committed to helping you build the thing you've always wanted to build or at least taking your best shot at it. Yeah. And if now's not a good time to do it, I don't know when a good time will be. Yeah, and just a reminder too, it, normally our membership for at least for monthly is $35 a month, so for 12 months it's typically what 420 bucks for the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is 245 we're talking about, not something we've ever done before. We don't have any plans to do it again. Mm-hmm. And one thing we talked about yesterday in our planning session that I I would like to bring up as maybe an objective for people who do decide to take advantage of this is we talked about the difference between seeing the next step and seeing the whole staircase, which is a Martin Luther King Jr. quote. And as an entrepreneur, at least for me, I am somebody who likes to try to control Mm -hmm. everything and I want to be able to see the whole staircase. It's not possible. However, if we can help you just find that next step, take the step after that. That's really what Fizzle is there for. Yeah, yeah, I I love that. So um, just to be clear, the sale that we're running is, uh, normally Fizzle is $35 a month. Instead, we're offering a one-time payment for 12 months of Fizzle Mm -hmm. at the equivalent of paying seven months, which works out to uh, $245. You can get that sale by just simply going to Mm fizzle.co. You'll see a big banner at the top if the sale is still running and uh, just select the annual plan when you're signing up. Yep. And then uh, you'll still get a two-week free trial to kick the tire, see if it's right for you. Yeah. And then if you decide to stick around, um, it's just 245 for an entire year of Fizzle. Yeah, it's, it's, a big, it's a big discount. It's the least you can do for yourself is what, how I feel about it. But listen, you, this is the year you can do it. Uh, if, you're, if you feel like you're ready to invest in yourself 2016, if you kind of like, yeah, I'd like more clarity. Yeah, I, I've got enough courage to like, let's, let's do it. And yeah, I don't really want to do it on my own. This is, I think this is the best, this is the best investment you can make in yourself. Um, the only thing that might rival it is like, is being a part of a, of a mastermind group, which you should be, which you'll be able to do inside of Fizzle anyways, because that steady progress every, every day on your business is so important. This, for all of you ready to, to do something, I mean, this is a thing. So um, this is a thing you could, 
hopefully motivate you to do some stuff. So I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Types with Intention Bar. (laughs) (laughs) I have been Barrett Allen Brooks. I have been Steph Wardman Crowder. I have been the inspiring teacher. You can't talk very well because he's too too much drugs. It's hard. It's hard to Just call yelling. back when you're yelling. Yeah. So. Uh, and we'll see you there, or we'll see you on another time. I love every time that happens. Corbett goes like with his face. Maybe we'll see you on another time. <laughs> Thanks, Christopher, for your post. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. This is such a crazy story. Thank you. You can find show notes. Are you ready for it? Here's the link. Fizzleshow.co slash 145. That's where you're going to get the conversation, uh, the discussion, the show notes about this episode, all the links in this show, like uh, the end of the year planning process, information about Trello, my wife's beautiful Medium article, all of that at fizzleshow.co slash 145. Let's read an iTunes rating here. Here's one from uh, Dave Sorge from the US of A. The title is How Chase Reeves Saved My Life. Oh, this is going to be good. And he says, I've been listening to the Fizzle Show podcast for a few months now, and the amount of good stuff I've learned is immeasurable. Please never stop. P.S. I hope my title was enough to get you to read my review. Wait, wait, Dave, so hold on. I'm confused. I didn't save your life? Dave, I need you to do this for me. Are you alive? And do you need saving? Please get a spouse or a friend to leave another iTunes review and let us know. You know our goal here at Fizzle is to help you make progress on your business every single week. If you leave us an iTunes review, it can help other entrepreneurs to find this show. So could you leave us a review? Simply search for the show in the iTunes store and click write a review. I was looking around the room for my book on uh, on uh, the, the blessings. To end, I like to end each, each uh, episode with a little blessing from a, from a poet. And I, I couldn't find it. So I went looking in my, in my bedroom. My wife had this book from... Thich Nhat Han on her uh, on her bed bedside table here called Fear Essential Wisdom for Getting Through the Storm. I turned around on the back, found a pretty good quote, so I'm going to go with that today. <laughs> Thich Nhat Han says, "Without fear, we are able to see more clearly our connections to others. Without fear, we have more room for understanding and compassion. And without fear, we are truly free." Fine care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. <laughs>